Okay, so I'll be talking about more <coughs> boring stuff. <laughs> okay, so I'll be talking about the scale of susceptibility to persuasion. And there's some prior work to this. Um, so, first of all, just let's talk very briefly in one slide um, about where I'm coming from. So, scams can be seen as illegitimate marketing offers. And if that is true, then marketing psychology offers exhaustive research foundations for that. There's some empirical support. There's um, Shadow's work, he published that in, at the Stanford Center for on Longevity. This is one of his PhDs, um, one of his PhD students' work on victimology and scams. There's, there's Fisher Lee and Evans, an Office of Fair Trade report, and there's some further empirical support in my PhD thesis. So we were looking at scam compliance, what makes people more likely to fall for scams. There were some factors that emerged, like social influence, authority, self-control, impulsivity, consistency, and so on. Okay, so we did research, and it was interesting, and it gained you know, some interest from the general public. There was lots of empirical data. There was, I think, sound methodology. There was, you know, so this was a perfect point to publish, right? No. So, and I would point to you, this are, these are the actual rejection letters. It's kind of interesting the way they kind of treat you. So it kind of shows the editor's grasp of who I am and where I am. So some people call me Dave, some people call me Professor Moditz. <laughs> so these are all rejection letters. And you know, people said, well, you can't publish this in marketing journals because they said, well, there's too much criminology here and you know, too much IT. And people said, well, you can't publish in computer journals because there's just too much psychology there. And you know, in criminology, they said, well, there's too much IT again and there's not enough criminological theory. So I was rejected and rejected and rejected. And there are two possible conclusions to this. Either my research is real crap, or you know, my selection of publishing venue is somewhat flawed. So what then? So there is public interest. So, but the work as it, as it is now, it's not publishable in high-impact journals. So there are two solutions. Either publish in a low-impact journal, or take into account copious feedback, and build on the rejections. And in fact, we did both. So we took the original scale and we're preparing and we are still preparing to publish it in a low impact journal and decided that we would build a new scale. So there were many criticisms of susceptibility to persuasion one. So people said, you know, you're not taking into account established scales measuring individual scam compliance factors. They said, you know, you, you're not clear on, you know, where you're coming from. They said, well, you're not improving on previous compliance scales, which is, you know, kind of bogus because there are really no scam compliance scales in existence. But luckily, you know, people who provided me with feedback and rejections, the feedback was very copious. In some cases, like five or 10 pages of text. So this was brilliant because I used it all and I added some more instruments and I created a new scale. So this initially was 137 items and there were you know, nine separate valid, reliable scales and they had further subscales. And so I, I administered it to about 1,000 people, and I did exploratory factor analysis and reliability testing. So what happened was, I actually, you know, two reliable scales emerged. One was a full scale, 
and the other one was a brief scale. So both are quite reliable, so 0.948 and 0.917. Um, so the factor that was explaining the most variance when I ran the factor analysis was premeditation. So essentially it means that people who can actually understand what's going to happen if they, for instance, you know, reply to a scam, you know, won't. So the scale actually measures premeditation, consistency, sensation-seeking, self-control, social influence, um, similarity, need for similarity, risk preferences, attitudes toward advertising, need for cognition, and need for uniqueness. And so there are two scales, as I said. The full one has 54 items, so these are 10 constructs and three, uh, three two-way sub-constructs in that particular. And there is a brief scale, which is 30 items and 10 constructs. So how is this applicable? It's applicable in several ways. So one is that you, know, you can apply it to basically any human interaction that involves persuasive techniques. I mean, I want to use it for scam compliance and to measure you know, people's compliance with fraud. But it works in advertising, in sales, in scams, and so on. You could also use it as a covariate. You, know, you would do another study, but you would look whether you know, people that you're looking at you know, are susceptible to persuasive techniques. So located, the scale is located at the SHB site. There's a link next to my name. The scale is free. I hope as many people as possible will find a use to it. You know, that's my hand kind of begging you to use it. <laughs> I encourage you to do it. You know, this is why it was made, and it will, you know, let some validity to the whole research. And if you do use it, please, you know, let me know. Another, um, another way you can get a hold of it is if you visit the um, research at deception page. This is a, a sort of a cover page for the deception project that we're running. It's already there. And that's it. Thank you.